Shabbat Shalom. The rabbi said, speak for two and a half hours, and they'll get used to it. So settle in, take off your shoes, close your eyes. I'm a congregational rabbi. If you sleep, I'll be at home. Um, thank you for inviting me. Thank you to Rabbi Den. Thank you to Rabbi Kathy. Thank you to Kander Nomi. Thank you to the congregation. And congratulations to the Torah group. For 25 years, you're almost beginning. You're almost there. So we'll talk about chutzpah during the course of the weekend. It's a philosophy that I've developed. But tonight, I think in honor of the Torah group, let's talk about Torah. When I was a kid, when I would get schlepped to shul as a kid, the thing that I liked the most was when a rabbi told a story. I forgot all the sermons, but the stories I never forgot. So here's a story for your Torah group. It takes place in the old country. And in this particular tiny little village in the old country were two Jews. Reb Chaim was the richest man in town, lived in a mansion on top of a hill. And every Friday night put on his beautiful fur coat and took his beautiful felt hat and his cane and walked down the hill to the synagogue and sat in the very first row and prayed in a beautiful baritone voice and then wished everybody good Shabbos and then walked his way back up the hill where he was welcomed at the door by the butler who took his hat and his coat and his cane and he sat at a magnificent table. But he sat all alone. He had no family, no one in his life. And the butlers and cooks and bakers and, and chefs would bring him a magnificent meal served on beautiful golden plates with golden cutlery and he would sip the finest wines. But it was never right because he was always alone. And this gnawed at the man and he wondered, what would it be like to share a Shabbos meal with someone? But who is worthy to share Reb Chaim's Shabbos meal? And then one day he had this inspired thought, the only one in the world who deserves a meal this good is God himself. So he called the baker and he said, you know, there's nobody in the world who makes challahs as good as you. Next week, make me two more. Bring them early. So the next week, as he was getting ready to go to the synagogue for his prayers, the baker brought him two challahs, wrapped up nice in a bag. And he said, thank you. And he walked into the synagogue before anyone else got there, walked up the Arun Kodesh, to the, uh, the holy ark, opened the ark, and put the two challahs into the ark. And he made a prayer, Rebbeinu Shalolah, master of the world, every week I enjoy challahs. I don't think your angels bake challahs as good as these. So this week I share with you, God, my challah. You should have such a beautiful Shabbos. And he closed the ark, and he sits down, and he prays with more kavana, more intention, more joy than he's ever had before. And when he walks out, he wishes everyone a hearty good Shabbos, and walks up, and it was the most wonderful Shabbos for Reb Chaim, because for the first time in years and years and years, he was sharing the blessings of his life. Well, that very same Shabbos, another man came to Shul. His name was Reb Yankel, and he was the poorest man in town. And poor Reb Yankel slaved all week long to earn a few kopecks, a few rubles to feed his family. You know, God has a funny sense of humor. Even though he was the poorest man, he had the biggest family. He had a wife and kids and in-laws and outlaws and all sorts of laws that filled up his house. But this particular week was a horrible week. He made not a penny. And he sat in the very last row in his broken shoes and his torn clothes, his hands stained with this grease of the work week. And he didn't leave at the end of the service. He sat there all by himself. And then when everyone else had left, he walked up to the ark and he looked up and he said, you know, God, 
you know, God, I'm not going home because I can't look into the eyes of hungry children yet again. I work hard. You know I ask for nothing. But if you need me to go home and see my children, you have got to provide a miracle because I've had enough. I've had enough. And with the third, I've had enough, he gives a clop on the door of, this, of the ark, and the doors of the ark open up, and two chalas fall into his arms. He says, my God, that's faster than the bakery. <laughs> Rabbi Shalalem, thank you. And he takes the two chalas home, and he puts them on the table, and his children have never tasted such a delicacy. And they make the prayers, and they eat, and there's dancing and singing, a joy like there never has been in the world. So the next week, Reb Chaim, because he had such a good Shabbos the previous week, says to the baker, make me two more challahs. And he brings them to the synagogue before anyone gets there. And he makes a prayer. Rabbi Nishalelem, you must like challah. Because <laughs> by Shabbos morning, there wasn't a crumb left. So I brought you two more. You should enjoy a Shabbos. And he puts them in the ark. And at the end of the service comes Reb Yankel. And he says, I know it's forbidden to ask for a miracle twice. But you know, it was pretty awfully wonderful. You think maybe in all of your universe you could do it again? And he opens the ark and two chalas fall into his arms. This goes on for 20 years. <laughs> 20 years, Reb Chaim is bringing chalas, Reb Yankel is taking chalas. People sit in shul and Shabbos morning when they open the Torah, you smell anything? This smell like challah to you? It's the strangest thing. 20 years go by and then one afternoon the shamis, you know, the guy that sweeps up, he forgot to sweep the shul. And he comes by, and he sees the strangest thing, the richest man in town walking up to the ark with two big bags full of challahs. This year, God, this week, God, poppy seeds, sesame seed, raisins, without raisins. And he puts them into the ark. And the shamus knows that by Shabbos morning, they're gone, so someone must take them. So he waits to the end of the service, and he sees this poor pauper walk up, make a silly prayer about last week, God, the seeds, they get caught in my teeth, so maybe next week, no seeds. And take the challahs out of the ark, and the shamus begins to laugh, this derisive laugh. And he brings the two men together. He grabs Reb Yankel, and he grabs Reb Chaim, and says, come here, look, take a look. And the two men, for the very first time, confront each other. Reb Chaim sees that Reb Yankel is carrying the challah. And the shaman says, you're a fool. You think God eats your challah? It's this pauper. Instead of begging on the street, he comes to the synagogue. And he turns to Reb Yankel and says, you think God cares what happens in your home? It's this miser. He puts his challahs, you take them. You're the two foolish men I've ever seen in my life. Reb Yankel, needless to say, drops the bag and goes home in a terrible, broken spirit. Reb Chaim slowly trudges up the hill with a terribly broken heart, and it's the darkest Shabbos the town has ever had. When Shabbos is over, the three men get a message from the Rebbe. Now, this wasn't your rabbi, kind, sweet, generous, and good. This was a scary, Kabbalistic rabbi who could kill you with a look. And the three men... The rich man, the poor man, Reb Chaim, Reb Yankel, and the Shamas get a message, come see me now. And they all go. I'll tell you what happens in a second. But first, understand the story. Because it's for you, it's for the Torah study group. The center, the locus of the story is the Ark. We put in the Ark a Sefer Torah, a scroll of the Torah, but the, the story has it differently. 
Torah is no scroll, it's no book, it's nothing inert that sits there dead. Torah is a transaction. Torah is a human relationship, a transaction. When we are filled with wisdom and courage and strength and vision and inspiration and aspiration, we come and we put it into the ark. We bring everything we have, all the life that God gives us, all the blessings we have gained, all of the power of our souls, and we put it, we invest it into the ark. And when we are broken of spirit and broken of heart and deeply in need of a hug and of a word of strength and in a word of direction and of some guidance, we come and we take it from the ark. Torah is no inert book. It is a transaction of wisdom and love and strength and power and inspiration. And as long as that transaction is alive, Torah is alive. It's a living, living, organic relationship. It is a living, organic process. And that's what's kept our people alive for all these years. Well, here's the end of the story. The Rebbe sits behind his books in his study, his cheeks stained with tears, his eyes red and bloodshot, a look of distress on his face, and the three men walk in and say, Rebbe, what is it? What happened? And in a tiny voice filled with choking with emotion, he says, the world was going to end last night, but I begged the Holy One for another chance. I begged for another chance. They said, what do you mean? He said, don't you understand? God set this miracle up in the beginning. You just carried it out. But this miracle has brought the Holy One such joy week after week. Reb Chaim, don't you understand that the Kodesh Baruch Hu, that God did enjoy your challah, that it brought God a sense of fullness, that the blessings of the world were given back. And Reb Yankel, don't you understand that these challahs were a gift from heaven? This was a miracle of God. But last night it broke, and the Holy One was so filled with rage that his miracle was broken. He was ready to destroy the world tonight. But I begged, give me a chance. Maybe we can do tikkun and fix this. Gentlemen, can you fix the miracle? Two men look embarrassed. But Rebbe, how do we fix a miracle? We are only men. No, he said, you are men. You are created in the image of God. You have the power to make tikkun. Fix the miracle or the world is doomed. Fix the miracle or the world is doomed? So Reb Chaim looks up in his embarrassment and says, you know, I have an awfully big table. And Reb Yankel says, you know, I have an awfully big family. <laughs> Reb Chaim says, there's plenty of room. So next week, you come by me. And he did. The whole family marched up the hill and filled the halls of Reb Chaim's mansion with song and with joy and with celebration. And they filled it and filled it and filled it for generations. And then the Rebbe looked to the shamas and said, you are an evil man. You broke one of God's miracles. And if not... For the courage of these two, all would be destroyed. So you are cursed now. And here is your curse. You're to leave the town tonight and wander the world 
And anytime you find yourself in a community of Jews, you're to tell this story so that Jews understand what Torah really is and the power of human beings to make miracles. And when you die, it will be the job of your children to tell the story. And when they die, it will be their children's job to tell the story until every Jew on earth has heard the story. And tonight, you have allowed me to fulfill my communal obligation, <laughs> my family's mitzvah. Now you know the story, so let's make miracles.